A week ago was the Super Bowl. It was a pretty good game. The Rams won. You might have heard. You might have heard. Now, Ain Kelohenu. No, not. <laughs> not Ain Kelohenu. Because this is a community in pain and enraged. After more than two years of a pandemic, children who haven't seen a normal day in memory, parents who've had to upend their lives, miss the funerals of their relatives, the weddings of their friends, people who can see one another on Zoom but not in person, not gather for a simcha or even a cup of coffee. For Sinai, it has been experimental and it has been agonizing. Like the whole world, we've had to improvise our way through, sometimes well and other times badly. People have been divided over so many issues and when children are involved, the passions run very deep. Jews have argued before, our long history of schisms is, after all, one of Jew against Jew. Again and again, in our prayers, as you heard, we invoke a prayer for shalom. Shalom Rav, shalom al Yisrael, Ya'aseh shalom, peace, peace, we pray. Our sources are always pleading for peace among Jews, among nations, but it's hard to achieve. We have fought. We fought among ourselves. It was Ben-Gurion, after all, who fired on the Altalena. And like that, our fights are often about politics, just as our countries and our worlds are. So much of the fury of this time of the pandemic is traced back to politics. So let me come clean. Throughout my rabbinic career, people have asked me, what are your politics? Because I'm friends with people like Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager, and I support APAC, and I write for commentary, and I appear on Dave Rubin, and I gave the invocation for the Republican Jewish Committee, and because I'm rabbinic chair of an anti-cancel culture group, people have decided I'm conservative. But because I also support same-sex marriage and LGBTQ rights and friends with other liberal rabbis like Sharon Brous and Eddie Feinstein, because I gave the invocation at the Democratic National Convention and write editorials for the New York Times, and believe America has yet to come to grips with racial and economic inequality, other people decide I'm a liberal. Since I have, for almost my entire adult life, been an independent, not belonging to either party, because I repeatedly bring to Sinai people like Brett Stevens and Barry Weiss, it gets confusing. Conflict during the pandemic strikes binary notes. Are you on this side? And if not, then you are on that side. 
It adds more fuel to the anger and dispiritedness that we feel, and it stokes the divisions. As you know, and if you don't, I will tell you, when I was at the Super Bowl, I took a picture of myself unmasked. The hundreds and hundreds of comments, public and private, sarcastic, insulting, mocking, deriding, followed very swiftly. The truly painful part isn't that people criticized me. I've been criticized before, and often severely, and I can take it. The painful part is that I brought pain to so many people. My job as a rabbi is to be a healer and a uniter, and I did exactly the opposite. And for that, I am deeply sorry. I'm particularly sad that the true heroes of this struggle, the teachers who try every single day to make our children's experience better, the people who work at the synagogue keeping this place together through resignations and absences and illnesses, all of them had to work twice as hard because of something I did. These are the people who've been following the county mandate, which is to wear masks. The school does not ask the kids to wear masks because the rabbi thinks it's a good idea. But because LA County protocol demands it. This is about our community. Whatever I did to shock and hurt people, we have to find a way to deal with our pain that is embracing and fosters decency and not distance, understanding and not outrage, mutual respect and not mutual recrimination. When I was growing up, people used to play Jewish geography. Where are you from? I'll tell you where I'm from. What synagogue? What rabbi? What city? And they did that so that they could find commonalities to connect, but now we seek differences to quarrel. We find reasons to hurl hurts at one another. If we in this place can find a way to disagree without rancor or bitterness, we won't only be addressing the problems of Sinai, we will be addressing the problems of America. It's easy to be kind when you don't care. The trick is to be kind when you are passionate. Many people sent very thoughtful notes this past week. We have a wonderful community, and most of them can express even the sentiment of, Rabbi, you should have done better, lovingly and thoughtfully. But there was one note that was genuinely painful. It was from a minister. And it read, Dear Rabbi Wolpe, I always think so highly of the Jews. It's hard to believe they could be so cruel to anyone, much less a rabbi. Do they not understand how many of us are listening? Do they not understand that their own children are listening? I hope this isn't reflective of your community. 
Who are we? Not who is someone else, but who are we? Is it possible to find a way to express disappointment and even anger without enraging and dividing ourselves one from the other? As a Jewish community, is this the way we wish to be seen? Tearing one another apart in public, on social media? Is that who we are? The synagogue is a sacred place. We have divisions, we have pain, we are frustrated. I know that you fear for your kids. I do too. We all wonder and fear what is the effect of raising children in masks. I know this time has tested you and the outpouring of rage is an overspill of pain. But please remember, if you're upset about my picture, that's about me. It's not about Sinai, and it's not about the school. Our teachers are unstinting in their efforts, and our parents have struggled to make this time meaningful for the children. Don't make their task harder just because I made your task harder. I know many of the people who wrote on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter this week. I know they love their children and I know they treasure their community. In my 25 years as rabbi of Sinai Temple, we have sat together at weddings and B'nai Mitzvah. We've buried parents. We've shared stories of illness. I sat shiva with them, with you saw you in the hospital, at your kids' concerts and basketball games. I know you are capable of telling me how disappointed you are without vitriol, without words that instead of being instructive can be taken as cruel. Be as angry as you want, but please be angry better than this. A little more than a week ago, Frank Luntz called me and told me he had a ticket for the Super Bowl. Did I want to go? I was excited. Some of you have asked, what did the donor want for his ticket? I'll tell you what he wanted for his ticket. He wanted to give, in addition to the ticket, 10 scholarships for Sinai to educate Jewish kids. That's what he wanted for his ticket. Some of you asked, what did you give the donor for his ticket? I gave him a thank you. And I hate the fact that such a beautiful gesture had this kind of fallout because of something I did. This week, we see the Israelites explode because Moses took an extra day to come down the mountain. One day. Maybe he was slow. He, after all, he was an old man. 
Maybe he stopped for coffee. Maybe they counted wrong. But people in fear are impatient. They react instantly. They don't take a breath when they see something they don't like. And so they don't take the time to put their thoughts in Lashon Tov, in good speech, in measured speech, in speech that might make a difference instead of tearing people apart. Sometimes when leadership is not what we want or what we expect or what we need, we lose the bonds of civility. And if this happens so immediately and so forcefully in a synagogue, in a Jewish school, then how do we show our children the way forward? What lesson can we learn and what lesson can we teach? As an Am Kadosh, a light to the nations, as children of God. As you know, when Moses saw the calf, he also reacted instantly. He broke the tablets. He gave way to anger and destroyed the most precious object human beings had ever seen. So what was the tikkun? What was the repair for that breach, that break? You know, after Moses breaks the tablets, the Torah doesn't say what happened to them. But the rabbis do. They teach, luchot v'shivrei luchot munachim ba'aron, that the broken tablets were put together with the whole tablets in the ark. They carried the broken and the whole tablets through the wilderness because the people knew that they themselves were also broken. That we all, from Moses to the least of the Israelites, so certainly all of us, carry brokenness and wholeness, fear and faith inside of ourselves. And unless we make space for all of us to have both, for all of us to be both broken and whole. We can't carry the Torah in our midst. Communities like individuals will have their moments of brokenness. They survive, we survive because we know our leaders aren't perfect. We know our congregations will stumble, but we are carrying the ark. We model for our children not only protectiveness and care for them, but compassion and love for each other. The Jewish people survived by remembering that we're in this together, that we are Jews, and that we manage not only to hold the ark, but to hold each other's hands as we march through the wilderness, through the difficult times, through the painful times, through the divisive times, through the angry times, on our way together to the promised land. Shabbat Shalom.